Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Get it checked, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot. I'ma take the last shot. I'm Jordan in the clutch, boy. You bitting on me? It's time to get it checked, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Alrighty guys, that was Pull Up Tay on the intro, and we are back for episode three of the Auto Bid. I am Ann Robinson, joined as always by my twin brother, Andrew Robinson. And today, we have a special guest. We have Kevin Sweeney, the creator of the CBB Central Platform. So Kevin, man, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I remember watching you guys play at Quinnipiac and then at Coppin State, and and I love what you guys are doing in the, the media world. It's always happy to hop on. Thanks a lot, man. So we want to get right into it, man. Obviously, man, you 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 you're quite the quite the personality, man, in the in, in the college basketball world, man. Drew and I have always, you know, admired your work from afar, man. And we, we, we love the thing that you do. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, your your what you do, man. Like 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 what, um tell the viewers, you know, what what it is exactly um that you're doing with CDB Central and, and kind of your 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 journey, man. <laughs> Yeah, so I I guess it really starts like when I was like nine or ten. I grew up and was in all the Albany, New York area, and you know fell in love with college basketball, particularly mid-major college basketball, because both Siena and Albany were both really good at that time. Siena had obviously three-peated and won two NCAA tournament games. Albany three-peated in their league, and uh, I think pushed Oklahoma, pushed Duke in the NCAA tournament. So I'm watching these two schools in my backyard that are you know there's nothing special about them in like the grand scheme of the world. Santa's got 3000 students and they're knocking off Ohio state and Vanderbilt. And I'm like, man, like this is super cool. And my dad went to Siena, So he always had like told me I should root for him. I was like, all right, this is cool. And he kind of fell in love with it. You know, went to more games and uh, started watching the max. started watching really all of college basketball quite a bit. And uh, my junior year of high school. So that would be February of 2016. Uh, I started my, my blog, like out of, uh, on a whim, I was, I was bored. I felt like I needed to do something. I was considering journalism as a, as a career path. I was like, I should try something out. Started the blog, you know, was writing like anything you could think of about, you know, Devin Candy hitting a buzzer beater for Princeton or literally anything there that was going on. I said, I didn't know what I was doing. I was getting like three clicks on every post. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was very demoralizing, but at the same time I was just trying it out. I didn't care. Uh, and, and just started tweeting and built this this Twitter following that started reading my work and uh, have been able to kind of scale it up while I've been at Northwestern to go from, you know, I think I entered school with, with 2,000 Twitter followers. I'm finishing up now. I'm, I think, 80 away from 10,000, which is just, like, mind-blowing to me. Uh, and, and, and now, most recently, I've gotten the chance to get started uh, at, at Sports Illustrated, which is an internship through my through Northwestern, but uh, they've been for, they've been great enough to to want me to work you know pretty heavily with the college basketball coverage, and um, so I'm getting getting started early. Actually, got started last week with a couple stories, and uh, we'll be assisting their coverage throughout the uh, throughout the season. So it's been, it's been a wild ride. I don't I don't know if there was any uh, 
there, there was no script. There was no, there was nothing like that, but it has been, you know, true, truly a blessing to meet a lot of cool people, coaches, media members, et cetera, you know, start my podcast, Brad, start my new show that I'm doing now with Brian Burden, who's an awesome guy. And, uh, and it's just been, it's been, it's been everything. I appreciate it more than anything in the world. Now, obviously, um, you know, me and my brother, we, we played at Quinnipiac for four years and we were able to kind of also attend uh, the journalism school there, you know, and um, get our degree in journalism. And, you know, from afar, like, we know Quinnipiac is definitely a great journalism school, but we've always heard about Northwestern out there in the Midwest. So kind of talk about your experience there um, and just kind of the, the culture, uh, the journalism department there and how that contributed to, you know, where you are today. Yeah, I mean, Northwestern was always this, like, weird dream school in, in, in Chicago. You know, I had never been to Chicago. I had no idea what I was expecting. I was like, I'm going to apply because it's the school. You know, it's what you hear about, you know, the, all these alumni. And I think I got in and, and came out here. And, and look, like, there are great professors and great classes, and, you know, people can sell you on that. And I think the, the big name everyone knows that J.A. Donde teaches in our journalism school and took a class with J.A., which was pretty cool. Um, but I think the biggest thing, more than anything else, is just um, – like journalism school is so much more than journalism class. It's, it's all the extracurriculars and all the activities. And, you know, I, I jumped in right away with our student radio station, which just felt like a good fit culturally for me. I was meeting a lot of cool people and um, that has turned into just such an awesome place for me as someone who, uh, you know, has made a lot of friends. I've now I'm not, I know this, I'm not a sports director. So I run that uh, station with my, my roommate, Eric, um, and have made, you know, probably three of my four best friends on campus or, or through that, um, it's given me the opportunity to travel with, with teams. Um, so I travel with our women's basketball team pretty regularly. I traveled with them to Duke last year, to Michigan state, to Minnesota, big 10 tournament. Uh, and so you learn things like, okay, here's what the director of ops is doing on a road trip. Here's what a team meal looks like. Here's what the meeting room is. Like I, I watch, I'll sit in the film session if I can, you know, like you, you learn these very, very little things. I think that's really what separates journalism school from other majors and others anywhere. And I think our question is pretty unique in, in the opportunity we're able to have with, with our athletic department. They're awesome about it, but uh, just, just you, know, so much of your learning is not like, Oh, going to a lab or going to a class. It's like, okay, well we're just doing this because we're in college and we're student media and we're, we're, we're figuring it out. And I think that's been, you know, super rewarding. I've learned way more from, you know, sitting in, uh, sitting at a team meeting and listening to how the coach addresses the team than I have from like sitting in class and getting my writing critiqued. Yep. So, so hold up. That's that's pretty amazing. You said you you had a class with Jay at Donde, man. That's that's dope, man. Talk talk about what that's like, because I mean, it's we we watch him on ESPN all the time. So I mean, just talk, talk about that experience. It's it's really weird because especially as a as, as a freshman, I didn't have much sophomore year. Most people thought I'm as a freshman. Um, I walked into the, the journalism lab. I just like walked past him. Like I'm walking past him, like going to the bathroom or something. And I'm like, ESPN guy, like. That, that, like it's, it's so weird. Like it just blows your mind. And then like you sit in the class and he's just such like a normal dude. Like he's such a normal guy. And he has all these stories. He'll tell you things. About, oh, you know, I was talking to Kobe. I was doing this, whatever. And it was like, it's like, Oh my God, you know, all these people. But at the same time you're sitting there and you're like, all right, this guy is very normal. Like he, he is surprisingly normal for someone who's been on TV his like entire life and is, has all these connections. So it's great. It's a great resource um, to have. He teaches a sports column, a sports commentary class and a sports media history class. I'm taking the media history class, uh, hoping to take the commentary class eventually may not wind up fitting it in just based on my schedule kind of got jumbled with the pandemic. But, um, you know, it, it, it's very cool to have someone like that who's connected. It helps us with our, with our journalism residency, which is our internship program. It helps us connect us to different people. So, that's it. It's awesome to have him around, certainly. 
Now, one thing I always find interesting is like you talk to a lot of professionals in the media industry and they say like, you know, I always had to have this initiative. I always had to be, we had, we had to be like self-starters. You know, you can't like sit around and wait for anything. So you, you know, started CBB Central um, kind of on a whim, like you said, and you were just kind of writing about anything. And I think Drew and I had similar experiences when we started all facts with no, no type of guidance. I mean, just a little background, because we obviously we were at Q30. Um, we were, we were, you know, covering teams. Like, like you said, I was a beat reporter my senior year um, for the men's lacrosse team. We were, we're covering all these athletes. And if you go to Coppin, and there's no sports media, there's no journalism program, there's nothing. So we're like, man, like, what are we going to do? So we kind of started our own thing. You know, we're covering, like, Coppin State volleyball and women's basketball. And then, you know, it just kind of, once, once the coronavirus happened, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because there was really nothing going on in the sports world except for, like, the college basketball transfer portal with, with everybody committing. So it was like, all right, well, nothing else is going on. Maybe we'll talk about this. And that's kind of how it kind of started, started, started to grow. But, I mean, talk, talk about how, you know, when you started, you know, CBB Central, you know, the vision that you had and then kind of, you know, what ways what ways did, did you kind of grow, grow that platform and things that, that, that you kind of had to go through um, in that growing process to get it to where it is today? Yeah, I mean, there, there really wasn't this, like, grand vision of what it wanted to be. I think one of the biggest things for me was that um, there are so many people on, on, on Twitter with, you know, 600 followers who, you know, blog for an SB Nation site or blog for this site or whatever. And once I had some kind of platform on Twitter, once I got to, you know, 500, 600,000 followers, there was a lot of people who were like, oh, come right for this site, come right for this site. I think that's the route a lot of people go. And that was just never appealing to me because I always felt like, you know, doing my own thing and having the flexibility to write about what I wanted to um, shape the coverage in the way that I wanted to was, was really important to me. So uh, that was never something that, that, that and I think that was really important for me because it, it taught me a lot, right? Like, if I was, if I was blogging for a site, it's great. Like I'm, I'm writing, I'm learning to write, but I'm not learning. Okay. I got to deal with the credential request when I want to go cover a game. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not worrying about, um, you know, making sure that the social media push is good on the article and trying to make sure that works. Like all those little things I think really helped. And yeah, there were times when you really get like knocked on your butt, right? Like there were times when I, you know, would write something and nobody read it. And I was like, man, I spent a lot of time on this and that sucked. And then I would have stuff that I wrote that I, you know, threw together on a whim and it would blow up. And I was like, well, this sucks because I didn't actually put the time and the effort into to get this. And so that, that stunk. I think the other thing that, that stunk honestly was like, when you're running your own site, you have no editors, you have no, 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 no one to check your work. And, you know, I think in my second or third year doing previews, like 2018 comes around, I think I was like sophomore in college. And I wrote, I'll never forget. I, I, I had written my like a 10 and my big West preview, like back to back days. And I confused, uh, Chris Mooney, the head coach of Richmond with Joe Mooney, who was a shooter for UC Davis and the Richmond fans were really mad. Cause I didn't even know the coach's name. And I was, I was this idiot blogger who knew nothing. And like, it's just stuff like that where like, and I've spent so much time making sure like I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to screw up grammar. It happens. It all ha it happens to everyone. Um, but like, make sure I don't do things that like harm my credibility. And I think that was, that was always frustrating where I felt like I, I missed the mark with something like that. But I think because I was doing it, it forced me to learn and forced me to be a lot more attentive. Whereas like, if I was had someone editing me, they would have just fixed it. I, no one would have noticed. And I would have just went on with my life and I wouldn't have had to like think through and being like, I need to do this better. So I think, I think just doing it your own, doing it your own way was, was really beneficial for me. I think it's been you know beneficial for you guys watching your work and how you guys have grown. Um, I think it's, I, I, I would recommend it a ton to people just like, Hey, you need a support system around you. But I think at the same time, 
you know, giving yourself, you know, betting on yourself and forcing you to go, you know, take some chances and, and push, I think has been, you know, such a great thing for me. So like recently, man, like I know me and my brother, we, we actually had an opportunity to do an interview with uh, Jalen Smith, who just got drafted by the Phoenix Suns in the lottery, man. And for us, that was kind of like a surreal moment. Cause it was like, dang, you know, we started this a year ago covering, you know, Copper State women's volleyball. And now we're sitting here in the NBA draft party interviewing lottery pick. Like it was kind of just like this aha moment or like, dang, like, you know, we can really take, take this somewhere. So for you, like, did you ever have a moment like that? Like, what was the coolest thing that you kind of experienced um, with your college basketball coverage or anything as far as in your journalism uh, journey? Man, there's a few moments there. Um, I think uh, they're, they're, I'll, I'll, I'll point out three individual ones that I think were were, were impactful. All of them came like in a in like a six like a six to eight month period. One was. Um, I was, I, I, I've been talking to a couple of coaches, like, you know, nothing big. I knew like four coaches on Twitter who we DM'd and it was like, Oh my God, I have coaches in my, in my phone. Like, look at me go. Like I'm, a, I'm, I'm plugged up. Like I know everybody. And I had a coach who was, um, kind of involved in the recruitment of a kid, uh, a Juco kid, Jordan Brangers. And he went to Western Kentucky and he was supposed to be like one of the best Juco players in the country. He was you know, very talented, put up numbers, Juco could really shoot it. And I got, I got a scoop from my guy. He was like, yo, he's back. He's back at South Plains. And he left Western Kentucky. And I was like, all right, can I tweet that? Like, yeah, go ahead. So I tweeted it out. Like two hours later, Jeff Goodman tweets out, Jordan Branch left Western Kentucky going back to South Plains. And I was like, so I just beat Jeff Goodman on a scoop. And I didn't care. But then like people were like replying to Jeff Goodman, like, yo, yo, Kevin beat you to this. And so Jeff Goodman then followed me. I was like, sorry, Kevin, like didn't mean it, man. And I was like, man, like, that's crazy. Jeff Goodman follows me. I was like, all right, I can retire. We're good. We're done. <laughs> that was a crazy one. And now Jeff, I mean, now I have Jeff's number. We've texted some, several times, talked to him on the phone over the summer, which was really cool. But, like, things like that. I had uh, my first coach on the podcast, Kyle Keller. That was really cool. Like, their SID had reached out to us, like, you want to do something? And, like, I was so, like, so, I was so nervous. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, talk to me one coach on, on the phone, on a podcast. I'm totally going to fail. And I was like, all right, this is cool. And then the first time I got credentialed, I think was the other thing I got credentialed. Uh, it was, it was the like third game of the year for Loyola Chicago, my freshman year of college, which is the year they made the final four, but no one knew they were going to be good. And it was Loyola versus Samford. Uh, Loyola won the game by 35. I'm sitting courtside. There's me and the Loyola student newspaper kid. Those are the only two people at the game media wise. I, I'm like, I, I'm like, holy, holy, holy cow. This is the best thing ever. Like you just sit there, there's food for you. You're sitting court size. Like, <laughs> can I do this all the time? And got to cover that little team and talk them up all year. And then I was making final four. That was, that was really cool. So I think those are the three that really stand out to me. Um, but I mean, I still get, you know, wow moments every so often and it's uh, it, it never stops. It's, it's super cool. All right, man. Well, we'll uh, skin some th- in, in some college hoops, man. Uh, over the weekend, th- th- there were some big wins. Uh, obviously, this is a mid-major basketball podcast, so you know a, a few mid-majors uh, got some big wins. I mean, FGCU uh, was able to go and beat Miami. Uh, Western Kentucky was able to beat URI uh, last night, and then we saw BYU smack Utah by by eighteen. Me and Drew have been kind of talking about the WCC um, a lot this year. How you know, obviously, you got Gonzaga at the top, and then San Francisco is beating Virginia, and you've gotten. You know, St. Mary's is always good. BYU has some signature wins. Um, but, I mean, out of those three, uh, the, the FGCU over Miami, uh, obviously I don't, I don't think Miami had Chris Likes in that game. I, I'm not I'm not, I'm not, not sure on that, but I don't think he played. Um, obviously, Western Kentucky had some huge wins um, early on. They've beaten Memphis, and they've beaten some really good teams. Um, out of those three wins, man, I mean, which one of those stands out for you the most? 
Or if, if there's another game that, 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 that you saw over the weekend that already stood out to you? I think the BYU win stands out, if only because of the way that they did. You know, this is a Utah team that's that's got talent. I don't think they're a tournament team, but they're good. Like, they can really play. And I don't know if BYU is going to get an at-large bid, but, like, they they blew the doors off an in-state rival. And that matters in recruiting. You know, there, there was already some drama because BYU as a kid, Caleb Lohner, who was committed to Utah and then decommitted late to come to BYU, and, you know, things like that. Like, those matter in in-state recruiting battles and – uh, really regional recruiting battles. BYU's trying to build it up with, with Mark Pope. And I think when you win a game like that, the way that they won it, I think that says a lot. And they're playing at a high level right now. You know, they, they, they lose so much from last year and yet the offense continues to click at a high level. You know, Barcelo's playing great basketball. Loner's giving them good minutes. You know, they just have different guys who can impact the game every night. Matt Harms really hasn't lived up to the hype, but I just feel like BYU has been very impressive to start six and two with what they lost from last season to beat a St. John's team. that's good to win on the road at Utah state, a very good team to now be beat Utah. You know, that Boise state game was tough, but Boise is a really, really good basketball team. Like I'm very high on BYU and they have a, a big test coming up against San Diego state. that I'm very excited about to see how, how they match up to, to the premier mid majors out West. Dang, Ken, you're still in my question, man. We're going to talk about that a, a little bit later in the show. <laughs> uh, it's funny you mentioned I was going to say, so like, you know, me and Ace were like, I, I said we, we were debating this about who's kind of the, the, the premier, you know, league out there on the West Coast uh, between the WCC and the Mountain West, you know, obviously excluding the Pac-12. Um, obviously, you know, San Diego State is ranked, you know, 18th in the nation, they're 5-0 thus far. Um, when you look at those two conferences, you know, which conference uh, would you say kind of has the edge right now um, out there on the West Coast? It's challenging to, to compare because Gonzaga is so much in a league of its own. You know, like, obviously, I think the WCC as a whole is stronger because of Gonzaga. But if you look, you know, if you were to, to measure, you know, two through nine, two through 10, two through 11, I think the Mountain West is a little bit stronger. The depth in the Mountain West is better. And that's really what the WCC has worked on as a whole is you're, you're trying to get, get Pepperdine going, to get San Francisco going. I think they're on the right track to do that because San Francisco, obviously, is a great young coach and Todd Goldman. We love their staff, love the way that they recruit. They've had a good start to the year. They need Virginia, obviously, but, you know, lost on a buzzer. We did Cal. They've been very competitive. You know, Pepperdine, I think, is getting it going. Santa Clara's 5-0. and the like 5-0 and with the schedule that they played. But, you know, getting the WCC to a point where, you know, St. Mary's is no longer worrying about the bubble is I think really where, where the league wants to be. Where, like they're confidently two bids and then a third instead of confidently Gonzaga and then St. Mary's is sweating. And, you know, the strengthening of that middle tier is what needs to happen. The Mountain West still has a slight edge, but it's it's really close. Yep. Now on the East Coast, um, you have the A-10. The A-10 is off to an, to an amazing start. Obviously with some huge wins early on. Um, obviously Richmond is ranked uh, right now. St. Louis um, has a huge win over over LSU earlier in the season. And they, they, they've got some, some big wins. Um, BCU looked good early on. I mean, how many teams do you think the A-10 can, can get in the tournament this year? It, it's going to be such an interesting story to watch. And I think one of the concerning things is a guy who wants to see as many, you know, A-10 teams as, as possible is the league's just going to beat itself up. And I think that's always a concern, right? Like, cause you're, you're, you know, like, it's great that, you know, URI and VCU and, and Dayton solid and you know, Davidson can push you and bottom hasn't even played, but I think they're going to be very yeah. good. Yeah. You through and you're like, all right, these are good teams, but all those teams are going to wind up like 11 and seven because they're beating each other. And when you go 11 and seven in the A10, you just don't get in the NFL tournament, which stinks. But like, you almost need there to be this clear hierarchy. 
Uh, St. Louis is pretty clearly an at-large caliber team. Richmond has that great win against Kentucky. I think they'll find their way into the field as well. But can there get can 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 anyone else get separation? I'm concerned that they won't, and then you wind up with a bunch of NIT caliber resumes, and, and which is unfortunate. Um, you know, I still exist to get three bids potentially, potentially even a fourth, but. You know, I, I just worry that none of those teams are quite good enough to, to clearly crack it, which is, you know, obviously mid-majors are, you know, come in at a disadvantage. You have to kind of prove it beyond all doubt, I always say. So, fortunately, I think the, the A-10 is somewhat tough. I mean, because even if you look down the league, like like St. Joe's is, I think, better than, than, than they were last year, without a doubt. UMass is tough, and Javon Garcia is going to make a huge difference for that team. Duquesne is is well-coached for Keith Dambra. Like, there's just, it's just tough sledding, and I think that's going to be a real challenge. And honestly, so so when you look across, when you do look across the the, the kind of whole mid major landscape, right? Um, give me some teams that you think can make a run in the NCAA tournament. You know, this year obviously there's going to be you know neutral court uh, in Indianapolis, no fans. So I mean, I think this would be the perfect year, if, if any, for a mid major team to really make a run to, 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 to the Final Four again this year. Obviously, we've already seen. Um, a team like Richmond going to Rupp Arena and beat Kentucky. Um, so we know it's possible. Are there any teams that kind of stick out to you right now that you look at them and say, yo, like that team could be a sleeper Final Four team? I think Loyola Chicago is one that jumps out. I know they did it before, so it's tough to do it again. Um, they haven't played anyone yet. They have Wisconsin and uh, Richmond this week, so those will be good tests. But, you know, they play at a very different pace than Iowa, but it's a similarly challenging team to guard because they play four out with four amazing shooters, uh, all guys who can be 40-plus percent from deep, and then a big man in Cam Crutwig who's a load to deal with in the post, but also a terrific, terrific passer. Uh, and, and, and talking to coaches who coached against them last year, they said the passing for Crutwig was just so so challenging and so disorienting to deal with because you cannot help, and if you don't help, he's going to get you get, get you a bucket one-on-one. Like it's just, it, they're just very, very difficult to guard. So I think Loyola is one team that really, really jumps out. Furman. Is, is a mid-major that I really like out of the SoCon. The SoCon has been so good the last couple of years. You know, 30 wins for Wofford two years ago, 30 wins this past season for ETSU. I think they're right there. You know, push Cincinnati. I think those are teams that really jump out. You know, there's a bunch of them. The Western Kentucky proved it at their at their event in uh, in South Dakota. Um, plenty of one-bid league teams as well. UMB's off to a great 6 enough start. So uh, I'm really excited. I think the mid-major crop this year is really, really strong. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you watched our, our basketball episode, but I've been talking about the SoCon for the past three episodes. They, they, that conference is extremely good. Farmland, obviously, is really good. Mercer and Chattanooga are still undefeated. Both of those guys are, 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 are 6-0 so far. Or, or, Chattanooga is undefeated. Mercer, um, obviously, has, has beaten Georgia Tech, has beaten Georgia Southern, um, Georgia State. I mean, who is your favorite in that league right now? I mean, I think those three are probably the best three teams uh, in, that, in that league right now. But, you know, obviously ETSU is going to be there, you know, go, go, going forward. Um, who do you think is the favorite thus far in that league? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's such a good league. I think personally, like, mostly because of coaching. You know, you've lost two coaches to the ACC in back-to-back years. You've got another one, Wes Miller, who's only a matter of time. Bob Ritchie's going to get an ACC or, or, or a high-major job at some point. Or Prosper's doing a fantastic job in Western Carolina. Like, it's just so, so, so deep. You know, Mercer's got Greg Gary is doing a great job. I think Furman's the favorite. I think they're just a little bit better than everyone else. I've been a little bit disappointed with UNCG, who I picked to win the league early on in the preseason. He's having clicks so far. But I think Mercer is really the other team to watch. And they have a great staff. They run really tough offense to guard. They space you out. They have tons of shooters. Um, the transfer of Cali Alvarez in the backcourt has given them a lot of speed, which I think has helped them quite a bit. Um, and, and then they added South Carolina transfer Felipe Hasse, who's been a great you know stretch forward for them. So 
I think they're very, very good. I watched their game against Georgia State. was very impressed with how they handled a top 100 caliber, Sun Belt championship caliber Georgia State team. I like Mercer a lot. I think Furman just a bit ahead, but Mercer is very, very good. No, I, I, I wouldn't be right for me to, uh, you know, mention UNC Greensboro. Uh, shout out to my Coppin State Eagles who were able to knock them off the other day. You exactly. know, we were talking about uh, Cameron Crutwig last year. I mean, they were able to go up to Little Chicago and get that win up there last year, man. So, um, I mean, Coppin, Coppin State's definitely had uh, some some great mid-major wins over the last couple of years. You know, we went, I remember last year we were able to go beat ECU on the road. Um, got a good – got a win over James Madison last year on the road. And – um. One of my guys, man, Anthony Tark, has got off to a great start this year, man. I mean, I saw your tweet about him where you said that he was one of, you know, the the the, the best transfers anywhere um, in college basketball. And I just want to talk about that for a little bit, man, because this is a guy who is one of me and Ace good friends, man. We grew up with him, but his journey has been kind of peculiar, man. Obviously, he started off at NJIT, you know, had a great two years there, was, you know, averaged 15 points a game his sophomore year, first team all-A son. Like the transfer, obviously, ended up at UTEP, and just, you know, didn't play, you know, for whatever reason, didn't get on the floor. Um, you know, now he's kind of been reborn this year, man. Had a 22-9 and nine performance at Duke, at Cameron, didn't do it in that game. Um, I mean, he's, he started the year off amazing, man. I mean, what do you think about, you know, just kind of his his journey, his story this year, man? And, um, I mean, I think he could be a sleeper, man. I, I, I won't get too, too, you know, too far ahead right now, but, man, I think that he could be one of those guys, man, that we're looking at maybe he can get a exhibit 10 or a two-way at the end of this year uh, with an NBA team. Yeah, it, it's awesome to see. Uh, I actually talked to Anthony yesterday on our show, me, me and Brian Burton show. Brian actually is the guy who recruited Anthony Tark to UTEP and got him to come there, and I was, was very high in his game. And then, you know, Brian left after a year and was, you know, I think that, that hurt Anthony at, at, at UTEP when he was finally eligible. I just think they're using him in the right way. I think UTEP probably was trying to make him a four. He's not a four. He's a wing. He's a wing. He can slash athletics. He can shoot the ball. He can really defend. He, he's an awesome player. He was great at NJIT. It's awesome to see him having a great impact at Coppin State. I also think it's awesome for a kid like that to understand that he need to chase the highest level when he came out as a grad transfer. Like, there are definitely you know, bigger-name programs out there that he could have probably went to in the mid-major landscape. And I think finding a place that was going to use him the right way and, and really be the right fit at Coppin – it is awesome. I think more guys should should follow that lead, follow that example, because, you know, he's being put in an offense that's really accentuating his strength. He's chasing everything he can do. He's getting games against those good teams like Duke, like UNCG. He's getting film, and he's going to have an opportunity to be a pro, whether that's, you know, the G League, whether that's two-way or he's even overseas making money. Like, he he's a professional basketball player, and, you know, I, I love his future. It was great talking yesterday. Great kid. You know, just really pop, you know, talking to him. You know, um, one of the better kids I've interviewed. So awesome for him. Excited about about where he's going. And, you know, he's going to be a problem in the MEAC all year long. And I think Coppin will be a problem as well. It's going to be an interesting league, obviously, with, you know, Howard in flux with Maker trying to get healthy. Maybe they get no gel Eastern eligible with the uh, blanket eligibility, hopefully coming on Wednesday. Uh, that would help them quite a bit. Morgan State's been very impressive. Norfolk State's always very well coached. NCAT or, and, and NC Central, both very good. So, we very competitive league. But I think Tark's going to be one of the better players in the league. And I think Coppin will be right up there. Now, I want to talk a little bit about, about the Atlantic Sun. Um, Liberty has been a monster early on. I mean, they, they've already beaten Mississippi State and uh, South Carolina. They just barely lost to Missouri um, this week, who went then and went and beat uh, Illinois. So I think Liberty, we talked a little bit about teams that can make a run. I, I think their team 
um, that could definitely make a run. I mean, we saw them get a win over Mississippi State in the tournament two years ago. Um, I think that they're another team that, 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 you know, if they get in the tournament, they could definitely make a deep run. Then you have FGCU, who's got a win over Miami. Um, that's always a strong lead. Talked talk a little bit about NJIT earlier. I mean, what do you think about the Atlantic Sun and the teams in, in that league? And if you had to pick a favorite, um, do you think it's Liberty? Do you think it's FGCU? Or do you, do you got another team in there? Yeah, I have Liberty. Um, I, I was I was between Liberty and Lipscomb in the preseason. Still think Lipscomb will be really good. Their big guy is is terrific. He he's the like guy currently could pass out, which makes him really dangerous. They had a grad transfer uh, from the D two level, Romeo Ferguson, who I think has been really good for them. Uh, FGCU better than expected early on. They really struggled defensively last year. It's gotten a little bit better. Uh, that went over Miami means something. We'll see if they can keep it up. But I think Liberty is just a cut above the rest. First of all. You know, Richie McKay is one of the best mid-major coaches in the country. One of the best people in college basketball, first of all. Like, you, you, the, the guy I, – I, I got a text from one, one coach after I got my SI – one head coach after I got my SI gig. You know, got a lot of guys I know. It was Richie McKay. He said, you know, congrats, man. We hadn't talked in six months. Like, that's just kind of the guy he is. And I think that culture has, like, worked its way down through his, pro, his program because they're all committed. They're all – they play so together. Like, I watched their game against TCU – they could not make a shot in that game, but they never quit because they were just so together. They played a lot of new guys, a lot of different pieces, and they did last year. They graduated, I think, three or four starters. And it hasn't mattered. Darius McGee can shoot it. Blake Preston's broken out up front. Uh, Dallas kid, Micaiah B uh, at center, who's, who's or at, at the four who can play. It's a freshman. So they're really good. I think they're going to win the A-Sun. Now, the, the, the MAC uh, is one of many conferences that has gone to these, you know, back-to-back games, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. And I saw you tweet as well this weekend. It's going to be extremely tough to get those, those weekend sweeps um, in college basketball. This year. Obviously, we saw, you know, Iona smack Fairfield on night one, and then Fairfield turned around and smacked them on night two. Same thing goes for, for uh, Ryder, Manhattan, Canisius, and Maris. Uh, I think there were four series weekends in the MAC, and three of them ended in splits. I think we're going to see a lot of that this year. I mean – um, talk about that aspect, you know, of, of mid-major basketball this year. I mean, it's going to be so hard for teams to get separation if every week you're constantly, you know, getting one of two, one of two. There's going to be a lot of jumbled leagues, 11 and 8, 10 and 9 uh, uh, conference records. It's going to be it's going to be crazy, crazy, crazy. I think the biggest thing teams are going to do is they're going to just push, push, push to try to sweep their home series. Sweep as many home series as you can, get as many splits as you can on the road and live with it, but it is tough. I mean, it's tough. I mean, you guys would, would know better than me, but the turnaround to play, you know, two games in 24, 48 hours is really difficult. You're facing a team that's hungry because they just beat you in night one. Uh, you're, you're sitting pretty after your win. I think it's just going to take – I think teams that are experienced uh, will will thrive in this environment this year, both from in terms of just, like, do COVID protocols, but I think generally, you know, being mature and making sure you're making the right decisions and being prepared for games and – you know, not not celebrating too much and resting on your laurels after night one of a two-game weekend. But I think splits are, are going to be the thing. You're going to see a lot of you know, conference champions who go 13-7 and seven instead of 16-4. and four. Yep. Now, see, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go uh, from, from, from one Mac to another Mac. And um, I want to talk about uh, a kid, man, who's taking the country by storm, uh, Jason Preston. You know, I've, I've given him a lot of love on this podcast this far, man. He's a guy who – I think it's definitely an NBA player. Um, he's averaging 19, 8, and 6 thus far. He's got great size, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, point guard. He's great in pick and roll. He has great feel for the game. Um, can I talk about just what you've seen from him thus far and kind of what you think his ceiling could be, man? I mean, right now I think he's looking like a second-round prospect. But for me personally, I think he's a guy who could sneak into that first round um, if he continues to play like, like he is now. 
I think the biggest thing for him, and it's very similar to Jalen Pickett in this way, is that he reads pick and roll like an NBA player. And he he has a, a natural ability to do it, right? Because as a freshman, he was really just a glue guy point guard. And then they put him in a system that, that accentuated his skill as, as a spread pick and roll point guard with a new coach in Jeff Bulls. And it has just clicked. And Pick Pickett is very similar in that Pickett came in and wasn't even hadn't really played point guard, and then they put him in. It's like, oh my god, what did we just find? And I think that's really what's happened at Ohio. Is he was a guy who wasn't necessarily used in the way that anyone would have expect, you know, expected him to be. The, the, he wasn't maximized. He didn't he didn't realize what he was, and he finally had it all click. And it's like, oh my gosh, look what we have here. He is so awesome operating ball screen. He's shooting the ball at a higher level. I think as he continues to get more confident in that shot, that's great. He's attacking the basket. I want to see him draw a few more fouls, be less afraid of contact, but he's a pro man. He's awesome to watch. All right, man. I mean, this, this is a mid-major podcast. I know Gonzaga, we're calling him a mid-major. I mean, my game of the year is happening this weekend. Gonzaga heads to Iowa, Drew Timmy, Luca Garza. I mean, this is a game that I've been waiting for since the season started, man. I mean, what do you think about this game? Who, uh, who are you going with, man? And, and um, I mean, what do you, what do you think to see the matchup between Timmy and, and, and Garza? It's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch. I cannot wait. I'm um, a little bit, quite honestly, uh, I'm, I'm a little sad that I won't be able to watch it live because I'll be locked into Northwestern, the Big Ten football championship game, like my only time of the year where I'm not locking on a basketball game. But uh, no, I'll, I'll watch it later and, and get, it, get it in because it will be such a fun basketball game to watch. The Garza Timmy matchup you mentioned, but I also think, you know, how will Iowa's guards handle the athleticism and quickness that Gonzaga brings? Uh, the spacing, I think Gonzaga's the only team in the country that has the firepower offensively to shoot with Iowa on any given night. I think it gives Gonzaga the edge. I think Iowa's not going to be able to get enough stop. This is a game that's going to be played in the 90s or 100s. I mean, it's, it's going to look like an NBA game out there with two teams that play with great pace, play with great space, uh, have good bigs in, in the post, you know, very versatile teams that play together, two good coaches. I mean, awesome game. So me and Ace have a little wager, man. Who, who wins the point battle between Garza and, and Drew Timmy? I think Garza scores more than Timmy, but Gonzaga wins the game. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you heard it here first. We know. I, I think uh, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna go with the other dog. I'm gonna go with Drew Timmy. We're gonna outscore Luke Garza. I don't know who wins the game. You know, we'll, we'll see, man. But um, definitely, uh, we appreciate you for coming on, man. Um, this podcast has been been tons, tons of fun. Um, AC, you have any uh, last thoughts or last words for Kevin? Oh, uh, no, nah, man, man, I, I just want to uh, echo Drew Chesman, man. Thank you for coming on, man. We, we, we watched everything that, that you've done uh, with your platform, man. It, it's, been, it's been great to watch, man. So we thank you for having on, for, for coming on with us today, man, and we're going be, to be watching you. No, I appreciate it, and same to you. It's been, again, it's been so fun to see you guys go from, you know, hit, hitting triples in the Times Union Center in a MAC tournament game to, uh, to, to this and, and you know, interviewing every big time transfer in the world. So you guys are awesome and uh, love what you're doing and anything I can do, just, just let me know. Thanks a lot, man. We appreciate that, man, for sure. And uh, yeah. best of luck to your Northwestern football team, man. I don't know if it's going to go well against Ohio State, but... Uh, We're all Wildcats this weekend, baby. Come on now, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that, man, but, but we'll see how it goes, man. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, let's go, baby. Come on, we just got to cover the 20. Cover the 20. <laughs> <laughs> we had the spread last night on Monday Night Football. I don't know if you saw that, man, but the safety, uh, not looking too good for spreads nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, man, best of luck to you, man. We, and uh, uh, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. 
All righty, guys, that was Kevin Sweeney. Huge thanks to him. He is the founder of the CBB Central platform. We see you guys go ahead and follow him on social media. Check out his work, man. He is absolutely awesome, man. But we're going we're gonna to get back into it, man. It's time for one of our favorite segments of the, of, of the weekend. But um, for this week's episode, it's going to be a little bit different, man. Um, for this, this episode's uh, edition of the craziest thing we saw this weekend, we want to talk about uh, Keontae Johnson, um, the Florida star who uh, collapsed this weekend in a, in a game against – um, Florida State, man, we just want to extend um, our sincere thoughts and prayers, man, um, to him and his family, man. I mean, I, I spoke to one member of the University of Florida basketball team, and he said that the doctors um, are optimistic because he has good vitals. Um, but we just want to make sure that we extend our, our, our thoughts and prayers uh, to, to that family of Keontae Johnson. I mean, for sure, man. I think, you know, sometimes you have things that are bigger than basketball. And um, I think this is absolutely one of those things, man, obviously – having played the game um, and now pursuing opportunities outside of the game, um, you got to kind of put it in perspective, man. And um, I think that the biggest lesson that we can all take from this is that at the end of the day, man, this is a game. You know what I'm saying? And we we all have lives to live outside of the game of basketball. And, uh, I mean, this this coronavirus pa- pandemic is no joke. Um, I'm, I don't know if this was related to COVID-19 or not, you know, but what I can say is that um, this this year – this whole season of college basketball, trying to figure out, you know, to play, not to play. Um, I mean, this is this is real life stuff here, you know. And I think that uh, when it comes to a situation like this, you know, when it's, it's life or death, and you have a player, um, obviously as talented as Keontae Johnson is, I mean, this kid was a preseason SEC Player of the Year, first team All Conference last year. I mean, and to see him go down the way he did and to see the effect that it had on his teammates. You know, those guys were literally crying on the court. Um, there was a question as to whether the game should even be played, you know, and, and, and be finished, man. I think that it really just makes you put things in perspective and understand, man, that, that this is a game, you know. And um, if players' lives are being put at risk, man, then this this game that we're playing is certainly certainly not worth it, man. Um I hope that it wasn't related to COVID-19 in, in any way, but obviously we know that, you know, COVID-19 is a, is a condition that affects, you know, the respiratory system. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that it's not, man. I'm hoping that he definitely pulls through. Um, I'm praying for him, you know, as an, as an athlete, I'm praying for him, you know, as a, as a human being, I'm praying for him, you know, and as, as somebody who definitely has a bright, bright future with the game of basketball, man, I'm hoping that he can, you know, get through this and uh, get back to doing what he loves. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, we've already seen Florida cancel their next game. They were supposed to play North Florida, um, but that that game has been has been postponed. It was originally scheduled um, for Wednesday night, um, but we're now we're, we're we're gonna we're hearing that they're gonna postpone that um, that game until a later date. Man, um, as we heard with Keandre, uh Keontae Johnson, uh, obviously be, being in a mentally induced coma. Man, you you obviously just just, just hate hate to hear that. Man, hope he hope he pulls out of it. Um, and comes back and be able to do, to do things things that he loves, man. So uh, we're going to have more updates on that uh, to come. Um, but uh, in college basketball as well, um, there's going to be a, a bunch of games this weekend, man, uh, as we always give you guys um, some key games to look forward to this weekend. Obviously, the big one is Gonzaga-Iowa um, that we talked about earlier. Um, but there's also going to be um, a battle of two mid-major unbeatens um, between UAB and Chattanooga. Both teams are currently 6-0, and and they both have a game um, between now and Saturday. But um, those are two teams that have not yet to lose. Um, 
both good mid-major programs, UAB at Conference USA um, and Chattanooga out of the SOCON that we spoke about earlier in this broadcast. Um, and then we've also talked a lot about the A-10. And two of those big dogs are going up against uh, good teams this weekend. St. Louis is going to be taking on Minnesota in a huge game on Sunday. Um, and VCU is going to play LSU. LSU's already lost to St. Louis, who, who was picked to win that league. So um, VCU has, has had some good wins early on against Utah State. Um, they beat Memphis, so we're going to see if, if uh, they can get another big-time W um, against LSU. And then obviously we talked earlier about um, this WCC Mountain West battle. Um, we're going to have two of those this weekend. Um, we're going to see BYU and San Diego State on Friday, and then we're going to see Colorado State and St. Mary's on Saturday. Obviously, um, BYU and San Diego State, that's going to be a huge matchup. San Diego State, obviously a top-25 team. BYU, a team looking to improve its resume to get that. Um, at large bid, as we think, you know, Gonzaga is probably going to win that league. Um, BYU, teams like BYU, St. Mary's um, are going to be in the mix for those for those at large bids coming out of the WCC. So those are going to be two huge games. And then uh, after mentioned Gonzaga and Iowa. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, also uh, for, for the MAC coming up this week, um, obviously we have some more games coming up um, for the weekend slate, man. I'm looking forward to seeing St. Peter's and Monmouth. Obviously, uh, Monmouth opened the season on Tuesday. Uh, against Hofstra, obviously having that long delay due to COVID-19, man. So I'm really looking forward to the battle of the two Jersey teams. Obviously, St. Peter's was able to get off to a 2-0 start um, with victories over Niagara. So um, I'll be intrigued to see how Monmouth looks coming on such a uh, long layoff, only having one game under their belt entering this weekend. But uh, we know that team is certainly, certainly very talented. Um, I think that, that that should be a very pivotal series that can have very serious implications down the line when we're talking about seeding games for the MAC tournament. Um, I'm also looking at Iona and Ryder. Um, obviously, you know, two teams who, who split the weekend series. Um, I think that this is going to be another one of those games, man, that could have huge implications down the line. We'll see if one of those teams can actually, you know, get separation and, and, and get two. Um, Obviously, we know from playing in the MAC, man, this game is going to be at Ryder, and Ryder is an extremely, extremely tough place to play. Um, so, if I had to bet my money, I man, I would definitely, um, I definitely can pick a Ryder to get at least one. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ryder was able to sweep this this um, weekend series with Iona. Iona, I think, is still trying to find themselves um, on the coach Patino. Obviously, they didn't have a ton of games in non-conference, so. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if, if uh, Iona, I mean, if excuse me, if Ryder was able to to get two. Um, we also are going to be are going to have um, Manhattan. Manhattan is going to be going against Maris. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to see um, if if you know Manhattan can 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 get two there. You know, the games are going to be at home. Um, I think Maris actually actually got off to a pretty good start. They're three and one thus far this season. You know, so. Definitely some pretty good games um, coming up this weekend, man. I think uh, after that, that Fairfield Niagara game is going to be interesting. Um, Niagara's going to be looking to, you know, get on the board here. Obviously, after losing those first two against St. Peter's, they're going to be at home uh, for a pair against Fairfield. So, I'm going to see if they can get on the board there. But tons of fun games in the MAC this weekend. Um, really looking forward to seeing uh, how those play out. Definitely going to be interesting, interesting experience, man. Me and Drew, unfortunately, never got a win at Alumni Gymnasium, man. That, that, that's the one thing that, that is haunting me to this day. We, we, we won at every other arena in the MAC, every other place except for Ryder, man. I mean, I think one thing that one thing about that place, you know, that it's just a small gym. Uh, the fans get loud in there, but there's going to be no fans uh, this time around, man. And so that's definitely going to be a big impact on that game. There's going to be no fans there. 
Um, so I court pretty much. Yeah, literally. I mean, they they they, they talking to you the whole game, inbounding it in your ear. I mean, it, it was it was those were always fun games though, man. Always a lot of trash talk, a couple of technicals given out, dudes talking to the fans. So that's definitely going to be a fun one between Iona and Ryder this weekend for sure. I think I think uh, I, I, it's going to be hard to, to to sweep weekends in the MAC, man. So I, if I had bet my money on it, I, I bet on a split. Um, I think Iona's going to be able to get one. Um, but we'll see, man. We'll, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting weekend in college basketball, man. One of the most fun ones we've had up to date. Um, so make sure you guys stay with us for all our updates, man. This has been episode three of the Auto Bid. As always, we're going to let our guy pull up Tay take us out with some music. Until next time, guys. Take your best shot. I'm going to take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. You beating on me? I can tell. It's time to get a check, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. Discussion. What we talk about? Take your best shot. I'ma take your last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.